I'm Roger. And I'm Andrea, and this is Two Bets Upstate. And we're recording this episode late on Father's Day, Sunday, June 17th. So happy Father's Day to all the dads out there. Uh, and as Andrea reminded me just before this, uh, today will actually be two dads upstate, uh, which is very fun and exciting for all of us. We look forward to introducing our special guest later in the episode. So it's primary time, everybody. And uh, are you registered to vote? Um, if not, we'll have a link on uh, to the New York State Board of Elections in our show notes. Um, the primary is June 26th for federal elections. Um, and it's always important to check the status of your voter registration, your polling place. Um, make sure that you order your absentee ballot if you need one. Yes. Make sure the address on your absentee ballot <laughs> is correct. Um, I yes. really, really recommend you do this once a month between now and the November election. And um, something that you, you should probably check your signature. So I've been voting absentee for quite some time because of my military service. Um and found out that my ballot in a previous election was contested because my signature has changed since I first registered. So a couple of months ago, I had to go into the Board of Elections and change my registration to my current signature. So, uh, yes. Yeah. Um, and I am looking forward to voting in person on Tuesday, June 26th. Um, the polls are open from noon to nine. So there's a little bit of a change. There's not um, voting in the morning, um, at least not in Columbia County. So noon to nine, not, uh, not the normal six to till, uh, till nine. And, Andrea, uh, can I, uh, can I tell you a, a sad, sad tale? Oh, please do. I have a, I have a sad, sad tale about a boy who was trying to vote in person for the first time after voting absentee for the better part of 10 years. I was finally, finally on election day not either deployed or off some training in some different state. Um, I think in 2012, maybe. And I was very excited to be able to vote uh, for the first time in person. I stride up to the polling place. I'm feeling like a really civically engaged guy. I get there and go to the poll worker who asked me for my name, give her my name. And she says, oh, on this list, it says you have your absentee ballot already. Uh, I'm sorry, but you can't vote here in person. And <laughs> I died a little bit in front of her. Uh, and she said, but you can cast this provisional ballot. And then uh, she interjected to me, uh, it probably won't count. But if it's a close election, maybe a lawyer will look at it. <laughs> so uh, moral of the story is, kids, check your voter status early. And if you've checked absentee, if you're a military voter, like uh, uh, a lot of us and a lot of you listening, uh, make sure you uncheck that or um, even better call the Board of Elections uh, to get that taken care of if you want to vote in person. Because little Captain America Raj uh, here was, was disappointed that day, uh, but it was all good anyway. So, uh, and. Yeah. Uh, Absentee ballots are definitely getting counted because in the 102nd Assembly District race, um, they definitely came down to counting absentee ballots. And, and there was kind of a, run, a runaway, vic not, not runaway victory, but um, the victory was declared on absentee ballots. So uh, 
<laughs> the races are getting closer and closer and every vote counts. So um, whether you're voting in person or absentee, make sure you vote. Yes. Um, and so we are, we're streaming on iTunes among another number of different locations. But if you're on iTunes, please leave us a rating and review because we want to reach more people. We've been really, really amazed with the reach that we've had so far, and we'd love to get some more cowbells. So um, please leave us a rating and review. Yes, uh, we always love more cowbell. And speaking of more cowbell, Andrea, uh, we're also new on Patreon. We'll be going live here uh, later this week, probably by the time the show is up on uh, iTunes. We've got some things that we'd like to do with the podcast, a new logo, a recording software, editing, uh, a transcripting service so that uh, those who are hearing impaired can uh, watch the podcast on YouTube. Um, but that stuff requires money. And for that, uh, we would appreciate your support uh, because, you know, we're reasonably poor. So um, we'll be on Patreon and we look forward to your support there if you can give it. So Roger, what are you eating or drinking this week? Well, I brought back with me from upstate New York a nice big bottle of Druid Fluid from Middle Ages Brewery in Syracuse, New York. And anybody who's gone through the Syracuse airport has seen the small Middle Ages restaurant and brewery they have right in the airport, uh, which is pretty great. But their tasting room is also phenomenal. One of the coolest places in Syracuse, I think. How about you, Andrea? What are you eating and or drinking? Well, uh, we always try to do something local on, on the show. And I've been, so just this week, I, I was home in New York and then I was in Boston basically to pack. And now I'm out in California. So I'll, I'll, I'll answer this in two parts. So I am at the Marine Memorial Club in San Francisco where they have a two-hour free happy hour. Um, so I had, I had oh, this white Zinfandel from California that was totally not memorable, unlike... Nine Tin Cedra Rosé. So it's it's rosé cider in a can um, made in Albany, New York with apples from some mascot orchards in Kinderhook, New York. Um, Mascots across the street from my house. Um, So that was was the beverage of choice on uh, Friday night. I was at a goodbye party for a classmate who's from the West Bank and is going back. So it was uh, it was cider from New York and and uh, hookah, and, and uh, it was very, it was very Fletcher. So, uh, what's new with you, Roger? Well, I uh, just celebrated my first Father's Day with the family, which was great. Uh, we flew back from Central New York this morning. Uh, I had a retirement party for my dad, who retired after 27 years in the New York Army National Guard and 29 years in the New York State Police. Uh, great showing at the Conservation Club in Red Creek, New York, which is my hometown. And uh, thanks to Governor Cuomo, uh, Senator, State Senator Helming, and Assemblyman Oaks, who all uh, wrote and sent in their kind words to my dad on the occasion of his retirement. Um, also, representative from the Police Benevolent Association was there. Uh, so it was, uh, it was great. The food was good. Uh, the grandbabies cooperated. So that was nice. Um, I also stumbled upon a new winery in my old neck of the woods. Um, which was surprising because it's a pretty rural place, but uh, Coloca Estates in uh, Fairhaven, really on the Fairhaven-Sterling uh, border, 
absolutely fantastic. I wish that was there when I was growing up, although I might have gotten in a little bit more trouble than I did. Uh, and my wife and I also uh, stopped by Lakeland Winery, which is an urban winery in Liverpool. So great concept. Highly recommend you go check it out the next time you're in uh, the Syracuse neck of the woods. Uh, how about you, Andrea? What's going on? Well, the big news is that this is my first week at service to school. So I am gainfully employed and I'm uh, CEO of this, this amazing nonprofit that transforms veterans' lives through education. Um, it also already has me on the road. So uh, was in, I was at home upstate. I was in New York City. I've been in Boston. Now I'm in uh, San Francisco. I'm having to, heading to San Diego on uh, Tuesday night. So definitely taking the show on the road here. Um, but it'll also be great to get back down to San Diego. I was stationed there for five years. Um, I'm speaking across the street from my old command. I'm speaking at Joint Women's Leadership Symposium, which is the biggest convening of military women in the world. This year they have 1,300 registrations. Um, so looking forward to a very eventful week. Um, and then we'll be capped off heading back to New York. Um, I found a house. <laughs> that uh, I've been to in September. So, um, you know, as, as per usual, lots of stuff going on. No so, big Roger, deal. Just, no, <laughs> no big deal. Just, you know, a CEO and buying a freaking house now. I guess that's you know, <laughs> some of us over here just cleaning poopy diapers and hoping to hang on. So, uh, hey, congratulations, friend. That's awesome. <laughs> so what's going on in New York? Well, let me tell you, I got into uh, Syracuse Airport Thursday night, uh, a little bit uh, too late to be a part of this, but on Flag Day, June 14th, the town of Waterloo in upstate New York set a world record on Flag Day for the most people assembled to say the Pledge of Allegiance. Uh, I think they're still finalizing the numbers, but estimated well over a thousand people in attendance. And of course, they got to submit that to the Guinness Book of World Records, but Pretty cool, Waterloo. Uh, well done. That was pretty awesome to see. Uh, what else is going on, Andrea? So Attorney General Underwood is suing the Trump family and the Foundation for Charity Fraud. Um, you know, it turns out you're not allowed to use a charity as a front for your legal bills and for marketing your for-profit properties and businesses. Like, who'd have thunk? So huh. wow. that's going on. Wow, good, good advice. Know, right? <laughs> Um, uh, an issue near and dear to my heart here, uh, in upstate New York that has recently come to the head is water infrastructure. Um, so crisis sort of beneath the surface, um, that has the potential to strike when we least expect it. Uh, there's different storylines around the state. Uh, right now the Erie County DA is investigating a corruption scandal surrounding the county's water authority. Uh, possibly improper severance package given to the previous head of the authority. Um, separately in the Finger Lakes, specifically Cayuga Lake and the surrounding watersheds, are dealing with the scourge of what's called harmful algal blooms or HABs. It's basically blue-green algae. Uh, the water filtration system is not set up to filter out the toxins uh, in that algae. So uh, when they're present, they can get through uh, into the water supply. And that's that's obviously no good. Um, Cayuga County Legislative Chairman Keith Batman, who has the coolest last name in politics right now, uh, he's been championing this cause for the past several years. He secured funding for Cayuga Lake. They're doing some uh, 
recombinant carbon um, and other techniques to uh, sort of shunt the uh, blue-green algae from the water supply. Um, but sort of writ large, the price to improve, maintain, sustain, and get water infrastructure in the state of New York up to where it needs to be um, is estimated recently to cost $80 billion. And that's billion with a wow. B. Um, the governor's latest budget only set aside $2 billion. It's still a large sum, but this thing is going to get worse before it gets better. Uh, and it's exactly the reason we need good people to get into government. You know, water security, um, I, I think it's one of our most basic civics tasks as a people. You know, if our representatives aren't cutting it, we, we need new ones. Uh, we need to confront these unfortunate problematic realities and not hide them or sweep them under the rug. We have to fix them so that our kids and our grandkids have clean water. It just seems to me as, as basic as that, Andrea. Oh, absolutely. And that's certainly been an issue very, very nearby to uh, where I live um, in Hoosick Falls. Yeah. You know, just, just the way you were talking about it, it's the, the, the it's so critically important, but it, it often gets uh, left, you know, left out of the conversation because it just doesn't sound sexy, but yes, I mean, it's not sexy. <laughs> we need, we need water to live. So um, what could be more sexy than life, Andrea? Truly. <laughs> <laughs> exactly, Roger. And uh, so one, one more item for uh, around the horn in New York State. Zephyr Teachout is launching her campaign for attorney general. Yes. Um, Zephyr Teachout has been, uh, she's run for a couple of offices in, in New York State politics. She ran in the primary for governor a couple of years ago and then um, ran um, unsuccessfully for um Congresswoman of, of the 19th district in New York, uh, 19th congressional district where I live. So, um, so she's back on the on the political stage. Um, Roger, what's going on in the nation that impacts veterans? Well, we want to say quickly a happy belated birthday to the U.S. Army. They're 243 years old. Uh, don't look a day over 21. So, well done. Way to keep it together for 243 years, Army. Um, and also want to give a shout out because June is PTSD awareness month. Um, and we obviously are, our lens here is veterans and a lot of you listening have military experience, but it's important to remind, uh, to remember that veterans are actually a minority of PTSD cases in the country. Um, civilian cases of PTSD, no less worthy and, and everybody uh, who's struggling with this or who doesn't know they're struggling with this. Uh, should seek uh, help, and they deserve our respect and support, certainly not our judgment. So uh, PTSD Awareness Month is June. Uh, be on the lookout for all of your friends and, and loved ones and, and those you know uh, to help save as many lives as we can. And then 11 VSOs uh, sponsored a Veterans Creed, which is supposed to inspire veterans to service outside the uniform um, and remind them of the values they were called to stand for in service. So we'll um, share those in the show notes. They're very, very similar to um, uh, the Soldier's Creed and, and the Sailor's Creed. I don't know um, <laughs> what they say over in in the Air Force and the Marine Corps, but um, it does <laughs> uh, look like... <laughs> gentleman's, gentleman's Guide to Golfing, I think. Uh, <laughs> sorry, but, that was a dig uh, at the I Air mean, Force. Talk, <laughs> I mean, we've got, we've got Army and Navy on here today, so uh, yeah. got it, right? <laughs> um, but it... it 
it's it's about continuing to serve and continuing to serve both the, our own communities and, and our fellow veterans. Um, Roger, what else is going on that people should know about this week? So the VFW recently put out um, that there are some disturbing changes in this year's proposed NDAA surrounding TRICARE, specifically for military and veteran retirees. The previous NDAA had announced changes would be coming to TRICARE for those who are joining the military after January 1st, 2018. And it was communicated uh, that those people who joined prior to that date would be exempt from any additional requirements or costs. Well, that doesn't look like it's going to be the case, at least with the current uh, NDAA legislation that's pending before the House and the Senate. A significant additional change is proposed uh, for medical insurance program uh, has the potential to adversely affect our military retirees, especially those under the age of 65. Um, those retirees would see the initiation of an annual enrollment fee, which is $450 for an individual and $900 for a family, and a significant increase in co-pays and deductibles. Um, AMVETS Executive Director Joe Chenley says this will lead to an increase of up to around $2,000 a year for retirees, and this is a segment of the population who often lives on a fixed income um, and has less of a uh, opportunity to deal with sort of shocks like this. So um, something to watch, um, something to consider as this legislation goes forward, a lot of attempting to balance the budget on the backs of, of folks who were promised one thing and, and are you know, potentially getting something that, that they weren't promised. Yeah, that's... Um that's definitely something to keep an eye on. Um, there's also been, of course, now we're, we're not just political junkies, but we're international relations junkies on this podcast. And, and it's well, and, and while not everything is necessarily an upstate New York issue, we do want to <laughs> acknowledge the Trump Kim summit. And um, Roger, I, I'm, I've been so spun up about this. I don't think I can even eloquently talk about it. What are your uh, thoughts on it? You and me both. I, uh, it, Thursday was flagged, right? Thursday yeah, was flagged. Yeah, just seeing just seeing the flag, the two flags next to each other, just like made my who, my heart who beat approved that? faster, who, not in a good way. I don't know who in the world thinks that an athlete kneeling for the national anthem is less offensive than seeing the flag of the United States equated with the flag of the regime of a murderous dictator who is basically just pulling one over on us guys. I mean, just disappointing really to see our flag and the North Korean flag just uh, equated in, in such a manner. I was like you, my blood was boiling. Um, just not, not the greatest of decisions and disappointing, you know, as people who care about the flag and what it represents. And, and it also, you know, what you also bring, you also brought up another a point. You just reminded me when you were talking about the NDAA about broken promises and, and just like the giving up on on military exercises with the South Koreans, it, it, it just <laughs> you know. And I have I have this other life in NATO, and it, I just I really really struggle to understand why we like we have friends and we we have very good friends and we have very good allies, and, and so much of what we do is about keeping our promise to them, and and so much of that is about what this country stands for. And, um, 
you know, this that, that might sound like a very odd seeing into something that I know everyone has been paying attention to, which is um, the fact that asylum seekers are being imprisoned and separated from their children. But asylum is a promise. Asylum is a promise that you can come here if you have a credible fear and possibly have a better life if that fear is founded. And that's not just about, you know, a lot of that's not that is legal immigration that in fact many of our allies are you know interpreters and people who serve with us have had to go through and so there are a lot of broken promises this week and and yep. it's very frustrating Rob, do you have anything else on that yeah no not on that but i mean we're we're i promise we're going to get a lot happier here but just to again yeah raise the flag on an issue that, and no pun intended, I guess it was flag day, raising a flag on um, a recent Supreme Court case, Houston versus Randolph. And this is something I'm not going to get into it in too much detail now, probably the next episode, but keep your eye on this. At the beginning of the episode, we talked about voter registration and making sure that you watch, you know, your status, your polling place, uh, the laws surrounding who gets to vote and, and how and when and why in your state and in your locality, because Houston or Husted or ever pronounced that versus Randolph is going to make that a lot more difficult in the five, four decision. Uh, the court basically uh, invalidated points of the uh, voting rights act, um, potentially taking us, taking us back a few decades in getting people to the polls, making it easier for people to vote. Um, I defer a lot to Jason Kander's work at Let America Vote, and uh, New York State has a Let New York Vote uh, chapter of that as well. But this is one of those things where it's 2018. I sure thought that voting day would be a national holiday already, Andrea. I mean, I thought that we would have universal automatic voter registration, but instead we seem to be immortalizing these quick fix you know, very central government, state-heavy institutions that uh, end up disenfranchising a lot of people, um, and and they end up being a lot of the same people, unfortunately. It's just something we're keeping our eye on. But please, you, you know, look at your registration status and make sure that you're helping those around you, especially those who are uh, disadvantaged. So um, let's, let's, you know... We've got some good news. We're going to Time do to get happy, kids. And- Time to get happy. Time to get happy. So we're going to do our shout-outs, and then we're going to introduce our special guest. So, Roger, do you want to kick it off with a shout-out? Yes, I, I do. A uh, good friend of mine, uh, Captain Chris Flaherty. Uh, he is a Navy P-8, P-3 luminary. Uh, we worked together at the Pentagon for a few years. Just one of the best guys I have met personally in the service. Uh, one of the most genuine, will do anything to help anyone. And of course, he is from upstate New York. Uh, I think, and Chris, uh, you can kick me if I'm wrong on this. I think he went to Central Square High School, but he is involved. He's on the board of Clear Path for Vets, which is another fantastic group. Um, we just wanted to say sorry that we couldn't make it up to the Clear Path barbecue, which I think was in Chittenango this past weekend, but they had a great crew out there. Uh, celebrating the work that Clear Path for Veterans does. Chris also does work every flag day for a group of uh, 
students in upstate New York, and he is just an inspiration. So uh, big, big time shout out to, to Captain Chris Flaherty. Thanks for what you do. And thanks for listening. And um, the American Legion New York, which I mean, got huge on Twitter very quickly, um, is offering members, veterans, and patriots the opportunity to receive text alerts whenever flags are declared to be lowered to half staff. So you can text the word flag to 35893. Um, and then another shout out this is not veteran related at all, but it is New York related. My good friend, friend Tara Isabella Burton just uh, released her first novel, Social Creature, um, to great critical acclaim. Um, it's her first novel, and it is the next great American novel. And um, so proud of my friend. I, I read the book cover to cover on the flight here. It is very well written. So um, Social Creature, um, highly recommend it. So now it is finally time to introduce our special guest. Um, we are proud to host Aaron Glad. Aaron Glad is a former U.S. Army officer and policy advisor to Governor Cuomo, and he is now the Democratic nominee for the 43rd State Senate District in New York. So, Aaron, welcome. Thank you so much for having me. It's great to have you here, Aaron. Uh, why don't you tell us a little bit more uh, outside that bio about who you are uh, and where and how you grew up? Yeah, absolutely. So I, I am too in an upstate creature. Um, I grew up in the Adirondacks in Franklin County, New York, in a small village. Um, and, uh, you know, I had a, a pretty disadvantaged childhood. I grew up on food stamps and free lunch. And, um, you know, my mom was a 15-year-old high school dropout. I bounced around a lot in different homes and friends and uh, families and uh, uh, right in upstate New York, kind of this rural poverty scene. Um, but I had a good community behind me and I had good programs uh, through New York State and through the federal government that helped me uh, kind of lift the floor and balance out. I put myself through high school, put myself through college, put myself through graduate school at the University of Albany and the Rockefeller College um, and ended up working in the New York State Senate for a little while. Um, and then, uh, at some point, uh, while working in the Senate, I decided, um, like you guys, that there was a bigger mission out there to, um, to kind of go for and, uh, had this thing in my heart, you know, I was a kid in high school during nine 11. And so, um, you know, I always wanted to join the, the military, um, uh, but all these things kept happening. I was the first one to, you know, graduate out of high school and the first one to go to college. Um, and so I decided at some point, uh, there was no more excuse left and, um, you know, quit my job and enlisted in the army, uh, went to OCS at Fort Benning, Georgia. I became a sapper platoon leader in the first cavalry division, uh, took 40 guys under my wing and brought us to Afghanistan and, uh, did that for about four years, um, serving. And then, uh, ended up having my daughter getting out of the army, took a job with the governor, uh, did that for a few years, worked on some really great policy, especially for veterans. And now I find myself, like you said, the Democratic nominee for an open state Senate seat here in upstate New York, you know, just trying to make a difference in people's lives. So what was your transition like from active service? Well, yeah, I think transition for everybody is pretty hard. I think it was no exception for me. Um, you know, 
coming out, I didn't know where we were going to land up. We were, we were in Fort Hood, Texas, and my wife was a teacher down there and really loved her job. Um, she's from here, actually, up in Rensselaer County. And, um, you know, it's, it's really tough, not just the transition from war, but the transition uh, back to the, the civilian life where, um, you know, people might not understand what we go through or people might not understand what the skill set is. And a lot of it was really interesting because I think I, I was unique in that I had had a master's degree. I'd had a job and a career before the military. And then, uh, then I had the military. And then when I came out, it, you know, I would hire or I would be interviewed by a lot of people. Um, and I'd be interviewed by almost everywhere that I applied for, but nobody would hire me. They love, they love to bring you in and talk to you. And I think a lot of that has to do with the transition of skills um, and, and how they perceive what we do in the military and what the value is to them. You know, from those of us who are in, I think we understand the, the duty and the honor and the integrity of the character and those those really important pieces and the skill set of rolling up your sleeves and getting it done. Um, but when you try to transition into, you know, something like uh, banking or government or even local government jobs, uh, I found that we would interview and then they would take the person who had been working in local government since they got out of college, or they would take the person who, you know, was in finance since they got out of college. They didn't really know how to transition. And I think that's still a problem today. So how do you feel um, about your being a veteran and running for office? Yeah, so I think, um, you know, I think that it's important. I think we need more veterans in office. And um, one of the things that I see from other veterans who come before me is that uh, there's a time for partisanship and then there's a time for governance. And what really appeals to me is that uh, at the end of the day, uh, when it comes down to governance, veterans to the type of people who roll up their sleeves, sit down at the table, and will move the ball forward. Um, you can see that in, uh, you know, locals like Chris Gibson, you know, again, part of, partisanship aside. Or you can see that in folks like even a John McHugh or a Seth Moulton. Um, you know, veterans, I think, have unique skill sets. And I think that it really, um, it really plays a factor in the governance side of things. Uh, one of the things that I've noticed since I've been back, and I think the latest number I saw was there, there are over 300 veterans running um, in some sort of contest uh, for the, the congressional seats. Um, but I don't see those kind of numbers on local seats. And I think that's where veterans have kind of misplaced our efforts. Um, everybody looks at those congressional seats and it's kind of the big shiny light. Uh, but when you look at what we can do on a state level, and when you look at what you can do on a local level in your city councils and your town councils and your state legislatures, I think those issues uh, can be just as important and just as impactful, uh, especially here in New York. So I'd love to learn more about that. Um, so what are you, um, why are you, so of course, Jess, why are you running? But um, how can um, veterans really uniquely impact policy at the state and local level? Yeah. Well, so I'm running because, you know, it's the same reason I joined the army. I, it's this idea of public service in that if you put the right people in the right place with the right tools, you can really make a difference in, in people's lives and we can move the, the ball forward here in New York. You know, we're only one seat away from taking back the state Senate in, in Congress. I think we need what, 24 or 25 seats. Um, and so in New York, we flip one seat and then we can get things like bail reform or we can get things like you're talking about, 
clean water infrastructure, the two and a half billion dollars, we can get things like, um, you know, for the heroin and the opioid epidemic, and we can get things like uh, protecting unions and standing up for veterans and rooting out corruption and voting reforms. And so we are very, very close in New York to being able to get all these things. Um, and so when you see these opportunities come up and they don't come up often, I think you have to seize them. You put the right people in the right place. Uh, we can really make a difference. We can really move the ball forward. Yeah, I, uh, I agree. And that's great to hear uh, someone else articulate it so well. Um, what to you right now, do you think Aaron is the biggest problem in politics? And that could be in Washington. It could be in Albany. What do you think it is and, and how will you help to change that? Yeah. You know, I think, um, I think I had an answer to that a few weeks ago before I got in the race. And I think my answer has changed. Um, the barriers to doing this are so incredibly high. Um, you know, I'm a kid with a, uh, a good story, a good education, good background, the right fit, you know, but all of, none of that matters. What matters is money. Can you raise the money to be competitive in a race? Mm. Um, and I think that's so shameful uh, in politics. Uh, it's all big money. Um, it's all, uh, you know, you don't spend your time talking to voters about issues or reading policy papers and you don't spend your time, um, you know, actually working on issues or uh, you spend your time trying to raise money. You spend your time on the phone begging people you don't know for money you don't know that they have. Um, and I think that's, it's a really shameful part of politics. I think we need to get money out of politics. Um, you know, you look in the congressional races, these guys, seven, uh, seven Democrats in New York, 19, you know, each of them are raising up to a million bucks. Uh, I'm a poor kid from upstate New York. You know, where do you get a million bucks? Where do you get it? Right. Well, so I guess that transitions to the, to our next question, which is, uh, you know, how is, how is campaign life and how do you balance that family time and, and, you know, personal time with persuading people, not just, I guess, to vote, but also to give you the ungodly sums of money required to effectively run for office? Yeah, I'm, it's hard, but I think what we've managed to do, my wife, I have two kids, I have a three-year-old and an eight-month-old. Uh, I think, you know, we make, uh, we make family time part of campaign time and we make, and vice versa. You know, today, uh, you know, we went to a, a garbage cleanup in Skodak and my whole family came and we, we cleaned up and then talked to my daughter about why that's important. And so I think a lot of it for us is using this as the example to teach our kids, you know, the right way to do things and going out into the community and volunteering and, and then telling them and showing them in word and deed, uh, you know, this is what we're supposed to be doing. This is, this is how we make an, an impact in our communities. And, um, so I think for us, we've been able to to balance that so far. Um, you know, how do you raise the money? Uh, how do you sleep at night um, doing that? I, I don't know yet. yet. Um, you know, I'll let you know. Um, but it's it's tough. It's really tough. So, um, what advice do you have for other veterans who are considering a run like yours? Well, I think um, the one thing that's been really helpful about veterans is that I've been able to pick up the phone and call almost any veteran who's run for office and either get through to them or get through to their people and, and get their advice. Um, Republican or Democrat, I think we all want to help each other. And I think that we all want to want to make the world a little better than we left it. And I think, um, you know, the advice for other veterans is, 
know, find folks like me or find folks like you and uh, pick up the phone and call us because, you know, I'd be happy to help anybody just like they're happy to help me. Um, and I think that's, that's a really important part of our community that we're in. Um, and I, and that's not just talk, you know, people are really, really reaching out and that's great. So I wonder if you can, if you will, with us fast forward a little bit to, um, you know, state Senator elect glad, um, what are some of the first things you'll do once you're elected uh, other than maybe sleep a little bit, but what, what some are, what are some of the issues that you're working on and, and what are some of the legislation that you hope to pass, uh, through this state legislature? Well, yeah, I think, um, you know, we'll see what happens in, next week in the state Senate because there's a lot of issues that, that may end up getting pushed. But I think, you know, things like bail reform are that's a real upstate issue that people don't, I think, um, think of as an upstate issue. They think of it as a downstate urban issue. Um, but criminal justice reform is, is really high on my, um, on my to-do list. I think making sure that small businesses in upstate New York um, can operate. I think that cracking down on corruption um, you know, I, I support a full-time legislature and financial disclosure and accountability that I don't think is there right now. Um, those will be high on my list. Healthcare is a big issue, but you know, healthcare is not going to change tomorrow. This is something that has a long-term uh, plan. We have to move the ball down the field. We're not going to change it tomorrow, um, but it's something I want to work on. Uh, making sure that every kid, rich or poor, or black or white. Uh, regardless of where they're coming from, has an opportunity to achieve their dreams, uh, to reach their potential. Um, and so, you know, I'm going to be an advocate uh, for those kind of programs, for social programs like TAP and HEAP and CHIP, um, programs that I think are under attack for LGBTQ rights. Um, and then standing up for veterans, of course. You know, when I look at the New York State Senate, um, you know, there's been a number of retirements over the last few months and a few of them have been veterans. And so there aren't a whole lot of veterans left in the New York State Senate. Um, I think there are actually, uh, I think there's one um, who is a Republican out in Western New York. And so who's going to be the person to chair the Veterans Committee? Um, I think that's an important question. And I think a veteran ought to be the person to chair it. Uh, those veteran issues at New York State's level um, are very real. You know, it's about procurement preferences for veteran-owned businesses and how does, how does our SUNY schools award academic credit for qualifying training? And how do we, how do we approach veteran treatment courts in this state? How do we, how do we handle transitional housing programs and, and wraparound supportive services? And so I think um, those issues become really important. Having the right people in the right place uh, is even more important. Well, thank you. And um, so we do have one more question, and this is a question that comes up. Um, it's a, so it's not 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 quite as serious as the nuances of policy, but it is a question that we ask every it's, week, which is... It's the most important who, question that we're going it, to ask you today. Yeah. Okay, yeah. Okay. Is who makes the best ice cream in New York State, Stewart's or Burn Dairy? Stewart's. Uh, you're dead to me, Aaron. You <laughs> died right there. <laughs> well. I knew that was going to be... Damn it. Yeah. We go through this like Sorry. multiple times a week. Well, here, here's the, here's the other important question that I think um, your show has talked about, but I don't think you've gotten, you've gotten right, which is where does upstate begin? Oh gosh. Tell us. <laughs> I, I think upstate begins um, right around Columbia County. Um, mm. When, when I grew up thinking of upstate, I thought upstate was the Adirondack park. 
You know, I thought the capital region had its own section, you know, central New York and upstate, which is what everyone calls the North country was upstate. Um, but that's what you get when you have a kid who grew up next to Canada. Yeah. You know, we're a big state with not a lot of agreement on what is going on inside our borders, but we're happy to have you. <laughs> really just throw a wrench in our belief system. Uh, that's, yeah. that's outstanding. Um, well, we wish you the best of luck in your, uh, in your campaign. And I can say uh, it's inspiring to see veterans running for any public office, uh, especially at the local level, um, because it gives people a lot of not just hope, uh, but uh, honestly, role models and people to look up to, especially as they consider, um, you know, they started their life in the service um, and then they're asking themselves in a transition from active duty or from reserves, you know, how can I continue that service? Um, and I think you provide an honorable mold uh, for people to, uh, to follow. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks. Roger, do you have any parting words for the, for the pod? Well, I think everyone is just dying to know, Andrea, like what, what is next for you? So you're in California, you, you were in Greece on the last podcast. So I think the internet connection here is just slightly better, uh, for you. So where, where are you going to be? What, where does the CEO life take you these days? So I will be, so San, this week it's San Francisco and San Diego back to New York on Sunday. I'll be in New York until Tuesday go to Boston for 24 hours to pick up my passport uh, basically and, and pack and go to Vienna for four days. Jeez. Um, I'm pre- presenting my thesis, ah, which is a thing that I wrote. <laughs> Just a thing. Um, yeah. And then I'll be back in New York from July 1st, pretty much indefinitely. So, well, wow. until I go to Norway for the reserves again, but, but <laughs> until the reserves strike again. Who, who among us doesn't do reserve duty in Norway? <laughs> <No>. <laughs> we got to crack that deal. Oh, I want to share this story. So I was, I was at home and my dad, who is, you know, one of my heroes, he uh, was talking to me about, and, and no secret, I grew up in a very conservative uh, family that's you know, slowly as their children have left and gone to other states and now come back slowly, maybe, uh, uh, eased up a little bit on the, uh, on the, uh, on the conservative rhetoric. But, uh, we were discussing the local school board budget because we live very close to the school. And, uh, one of the parts of this, you know, 18 and a half million dollar capital improvement project is they're finally taking the ash cinder track next to our house and they're rubberizing it. They're turning it into an actual track where they can have track meets they can have a concession stand. They can sell things. Uh, very, I think, exciting. Selfishly, because I will be running on it when it's done. So, but my dad mentioned that he voted no on the capital improvement project because one of the stipulations as part of getting state funding was that they would have to quote uh, build transgender bathrooms. And he was like, "I don't think we need transgender bathrooms here." And I said to him, "Dad, you do realize that it's just a single stall bathroom, right?" like anywhere else. It's like going down to the corner store and there's just one, one stall in there. Like, what do you think they're going to do? So I highlight this to say, uh, it's important to talk to your family about the issues surrounding these votes, especially as we get into primary and then general election season. 
uh, in the state of New York. And as school, uh, school board, school budgets come up to vote, let's, let's help demystify some of these things and, and put, them into, put them into terms that people can understand. Uh, transgender bathrooms are not scary things. Uh, let, that be, let that be the lesson for, for the evening there. Uh, Andrea, what do you think? Uh, that, <laughs> that sounds good to me. <laughs> Again, thanks very much to Aaron Glad for uh, joining us tonight. That's all we've got for Two Vets Upstate. Uh, everyone have a fantastic week, and we will see you next time. Happy Father's Day, and good night, everyone. Happy Father's Day. Take care.